Hello, this is Matt Marone, worship pastor here at Glen Allen Bible Church, and you're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, November 14th, 2021. Hey everyone, I'm John Vanderbilt. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady, and thanks for tuning in to the Next Level Podcast. Good morning. Good morning, Glen Ellen Bible Church. Good morning. It's freezing. It is freezing. It's unacceptable. <laughs> Says the Texan. <laughs> it is We're so cold. I know, but yeah. it's November. There wasn't much this of a transition like temperature-wise this year, right? right? You know what I've noticed? I, I feel like I, I say that probably every year. but like I, There hasn't been the opportunity. The leaves didn't fall <laughs> off the trees, and but uh, because there wasn't a cold snap, I, I think that's how it works. Anyway, all my leaves are down, and now I can't get out there easily to get them up. Yeah, because it's wet, too. Right? Yeah. Like, Your fingers will fall off if you try to go. <laughs> all right, so the weather report's not, not the... Who cares, right? But <laughs> I got a question, though. Do you do do you do the the? I mulch uh, them. How do you do? The, you just mulch yeah. and you don't bag and no, throw. I'm too it, cheap. You just, just mulch. Yeah, and that's okay for your lawn. I'm asking seriously. Yeah, you guys can talk about lawn? this after. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this could be a the people out there could be wondering. People like, want to know. Yeah. What do you do? So we have multiple kinds of trees for our in our on our at our house there are trees these honey locusts they're called so apparently our neighborhood it's funny because our neighborhood did all this like research on it so in the 80s when our subdivision was built the idea was that these trees were supposed to be low maintenance you don't need to bag the leaves because they're so tiny Ooh. that they just blow away and they Disappear. just disintegrate into your ground and they they grow huge they're massive and they provide all the shade it's a lie that you don't have to rake them. <laughs> it's a lie that you don't have to clean them up. They, will, they kill your grass, mm-hmm. and they're virtually impossible to get out of your lawn. Mm. So every fall, people are in my neighborhood are just angry. They're just like walking around like, Ugh. people like try to mow them and suck them out of the grass. People try to blow them. People try to rake them. Some, it's, somebody it's sold their tree company in the early 90s and yeah. is not right now in Cabo. Well, and they <laughs> kick it, right? And they clog everything. So all the storm sewer things are just jam-packed uh, with these little tiny uh, yeah. leaves. Yeah. I had a buddy anyway. who, who planted trees. His father planted trees when he was born. And he paid for college. Yeah, black walnuts. When the kid was ready to go to college yeah. with the trees. Wow. Black we have black trees. walnuts. Yeah. What, what, what do you do at the help at the help in residence? Are you mulchers? Are you do you bag? Mm. Simone, I was so hoping you would ask. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the honest answer is that we outsource it. So. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. 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 I don't really know what they do. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. <laughs> yes. So just real quick, we had an awesome uh, Sunday yesterday. How'd you guys feel about the oh, gospel man. choir? It was all right. So. <laughs> it was great. Pretty so, low energy. So fun. It was a lot of fun. A lot yeah. of fun. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I had, I had a ton of fun. That was awesome. I was really impressed. You know, Tanya's voice, her skill, the choir director's skill, her passion for Jesus. She early in the morning handed Matt and I both her personal faith statement. Oh, that's cool. Laminated. Ah, yep. Uh, that's awesome. It's very cool. Um, and just, uh, just reciting what, what are the three buckets? It's I, like, I, haven't read it. I am, <laughs> I am significant in Christ yeah. because oh, cool. I am, it's like, I am statements, statements of scripture. That's right. so Identity cool. stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Just yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Just Sweet. genuinely yeah. passionate. I know what I got it. I was like, I started reading through it and I was like, okay, do I, it's laminated. Do I give this back? Are you, <laughs> this is for me. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Oh, yeah. They were exciting. They're such a, a neat way yeah. to worship. And, and I love that you guys continue to encourage everyone to, this is, you're invited into this. This is not a performance for you to watch. Yeah. 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 I know. It's I remember to... um, the first time I ever did gospel choir, because I, I think a lot of people who do, go, I, I don't think you go from no choir to gospel choir mm. if you're white culture. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's just, hey, I'll try the gospel choir. Like, you're in choir, and then and then you get an opportunity to do gospel choir, and it's like, oh, okay, that could be cool. I don't know anything about it. I remember my first experience 
with a gospel choir. We had a gospel choir in my high school. It was about 50% African-American. And, um, you know, I just was in there and I was used to singing very proper choir, classical kind Don't of. Don't move. Stand straight. Totally. Enunciate just all of these, you know, things. And then, and it was like the first time in, in a choral setting where I ever just was given permission just to let it rip, yeah. you know, just like sing your heart out, which is, but I still remember some of these songs we sang and this is way pre-Christ days for mm. me, right? And I remember some of these songs and I'm thinking through them even right now, the lyrics, like, oh my gosh, mm. I, I can't believe I was like gospel, 15 right? years old yeah. saying, you know, thy lamb of Calvary, like just crazy yeah. stuff, you know, really cool. Fun. But, um, oh man, it was, it was very moving. It was very, so anyway. We'll have them back. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I would like to do that regularly. Sharon and I are thinking about going to the concert, so I'll just plug the concert again. Uh, they have their first concert this year, and it's actually the first concert since March of 2020 because of COVID, and they're really pumped at 7 o'clock this Friday on the campus. And Armoreding then, Concert Hall. The, the new, new the new Yeah, new should be place. really cool. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Armoreding Concert Hall. And Tanya, yeah, we're going. Um, are you going? Yeah, yeah. yeah good. And um, Tanya said, uh, so they have a band. And I was like, okay, who, is it like the Wheaton Chapel Band or what? I don't who's, and she was like, oh, no, 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 it's like my family. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. I love it. So drums, yeah. you know, oh bass and, uh, and keys. And That's so I awesome. think they're part of her cool. family. So, That's awesome. That's yeah, so fun. yeah, it should be really cool. Anyway, we have a ton of questions today. So yeah, we should what, probably. What happened on Sunday? Well, John, <laughs> you know, when, when you're not around, <laughs> things come unhinged. Hey, John, Great. where were you this weekend? I was on, on the getaway that the church gave us as a gift for me helping out when you were gone on Did you sabbatical. take all your kids on that? No. <laughs> just you and Carrie? Yeah, absolutely not. Just me and Carrie. Up to the Kohler Resort? Yeah. Would you go again? Uh, on the church's tab? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It was very nice. It was a, a real gift. And uh, yeah, we felt refreshed, had a lot of fun. It's a cool place if you, have, if you ever get a chance to go there. Where? The coal, it's in Kohler, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh, oh, I thought you said Indiana. Okay, Wisconsin. It, yeah, okay. it's a it's a really cool place. We we toured the uh, like the design place and the museum and all, all the, the whole Kohler story. Faucets and, and yeah, it's really cool, really fascinating. It's a a, a story of kind of early American entrepreneurship and battling through lots of ups and downs. And but we just, we had a great time hanging out and relaxing. So. But we did watch online. You did? Yep. Listen to your sermon, watched uh, the gospel choir. It was That's awesome. Good. good. Yeah, so I, you know, we have a lot of good questions, and we'll do our best. Now, hey, if you submitted a question and don't recognize yours directly, the reason is we blend some questions. We, there were lots of questions submitted, and in the interest of time, and um, so we have uh, edited some questions just in that respect and blended some. Yep. And we have two sets of questions today. Uh, we have some that pertain directly to the sermon, and then we have others that are more general. So uh, first, we're going to tackle the questions that deal with the sermon specifically. So question number one. So is Jesus black? I don't understand the title of the book you opened with. I'm sure that your point was not that Jesus is black, but I can't make the connection help. You know, I did better second service than first service talking, uh, segueing from the offer that we make of this little book that we give away, helping people follow Jesus, to, hey, I, I'm reading a good book these days. I did better second service segueing and, and just, hey, the title's a little controversial, uh, but I want to share with you what I'm learning from this book. So, no, Jesus isn't black. The title of the book is Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus. And so Bonhoeffer was a white German Lutheran pastor steeped in German nationalism in the 1930s. But he found Jesus among this black community uh, church, Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem, New York. The author named the book Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus because it, it was such an unlikely, life-changing moment for this white German Lutheran pastor to meet Jesus in Harlem. The point was that Bonhoeffer came out of Babylon, leaving behind German nationalism in how they had uh, kind of confiscated the gospel, and he gave his life away, leading many to fight against Hitler's Third Reich theology, ideology. So the point is that counterfeits to the gospel were present when John wrote Revelation 18, and when Bonhoeffer resisted Hitler, the counterfeits were there, and as Christians living in America, we must recognize the counterfeits that are offered by popular culture in America and follow Christ rather than following popular culture. So I could have been more explicit, but yeah. 
seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody else want to weigh in on anybody that? Anybody else read that book? I'm, I asked you about it. You said it's real academic. It is. I, I wouldn't recommend the book. Everybody. So not, not for you? <laughs> anybody read it? No, you told me not to. <laughs> I recommended it to a couple folks, and they're, they're listening it on audio, and I wonder how... It may you may be able to hear it better than read it, but it gets deep into Harlem Renaissance and the change in um, uh, as as there was a migration of African Americans out of the South up north yeah. into Detroit, New York, Chicago, in the culture that came with them and developed. It's a fascinating read. It's somebody's dissertation, right? I think it is. I think the it's a dissertation by the author. Uh, try to make more palatable for the average reader. Oh, no, I, uh, you saw me holding my Bible open as if I was going to say something. Preach it. No, I just, well, I really like the analogy and this whole notion of coming out of Babylon. It might be a question later down. It is, so I won't, yeah. I won't, you know, I just, it was challenging. Where, where does that apply in my own life was the mm. question I walked away from. Yeah, that's probably the, the majority of the questions we got. I think mm. you had to summarize yeah. like five questions around. There were tell five us, questions tell on us Babylon. what you meant with Babylon by saying Babylon. How do we and then, come out of Babylon? How do we, how do we resist? Mm. How do we, yeah. Yeah, mm. what, what's counterfeit and yep. that sort of thing. So I, you know, I don't know how dark Jesus's skin was. But I don't Darker know. Darker than yours is my guess. Probably, right? Yeah. But I don't know how you land anywhere else other than Jesus was Jewish. Well, I think you could actually say Jesus was Palestinian. Yeah, religiously. Well, sure. So culturally, <laughs> right, he right, was right, Middle right, Eastern. Right. He was uh, brown eyes, mm-hmm. but, darker brown skin. But of those that we call Old Testament Jews yeah. in the New Testament, yeah. like that's what Jesus was. Yeah, I thought it was interesting I, when you, um, you pointed out... Um, that the German nationalists had made Jesus into a white Jesus. Oh, yeah. So I think mm-hmm. the title is actually, mm-hmm. in addressing fairness, that, yeah. is actually mm-hmm. addressing be, yeah. the mm-hmm. white Jesus that, that Germany had built. Right. So, you know, the, the art of Jesus around that time in Germany, you know, he was Aryan. <laughs> like, yeah. I've seen pictures of like he has like short blonde hair blue eyes, blue eyes. Blue eyes and you're like yeah. wait a second yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not possible mm-hmm. right. uh, so I think I, I, the title might be I didn't read the mm-hmm. book because it was recommended I not <laughs> but it was <laughs> I just didn't think you could handle it I, right now it's our <laughs> gathering now <laughs> no I recommend it to other people who can handle it <laughs> the academic it's load very, it's for John. smart people <laughs> <laughs> I mean didn't you the dude just went on a sink faucet tour with his wife yes. for a retreat yeah. come on faucet yeah. tour. I am well rounded. <laughs> so many jokes. So little time. All right, here we go. Uh, question number two. What did you mean when you said, quote, make no mistake, we live in Babylon, end quote. Are you saying that America is Babylon? No, I'm not saying that America is Babylon. I tried uh, to, to quickly say there's a lot of good things going it's on in America. It's hard when you say we are Babylon. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so there's a lot of great things going on in America. A lot of, and, and much of it, I believe, has to do with the church's influence in America, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that Babylon is to be taken figuratively. Babylon represents all the kings, kingdoms that live in rebellion against God. Uh, kings and kingdoms and citizens that are exalting themselves and, and making their, their, their own lives the focus of life. It's in this respect that I said Americans live in Babylon because that is the urge of our culture. We live in a culture that exalts self, seeks pleasure, rather than encouraging us to deny self and, and submit to God. So I, I think the way you can say it is you can have a, fully, a full Babylonian experience mm, in America yeah. if you want. That mm-hmm. element and lots of people of, are. Yeah. yeah that ele- and there is a, a pressure to do so and a battle that we're fighting and counterfeit uh, being offered. Yeah, being yeah. offered every day, every yeah. moment of the day. Yeah. I think you can have a full Babylonian experience within yourself. Yeah, I mean, true, there, everything right? that you listed about things that are fruit of a Babylonian culture, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not perfect of any of those. I mean, I think that's the that was, again, the takeaway that I had is where am I one foot in, one foot out mm. of these cultures? And yeah. where do I, we're not, we don't arrive to this place of, um, living apart from sin until we're done with this life. Yeah, and so yeah. if we're not pursuing 
our, that inner reflection and looking mm-hmm. inside our own lives to say, where am I falling short of this? This is, I'm living this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good word. Yeah. Babylon, the experience of Babylon comes out of the human heart. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're also tempted to buy into it. It's very common to humanity. So, and so the big take from these verses theologically is that Babylon is figurative here. It is. There's, you don't see a Babylon in any one no. city in, in a literal no, sense. No. Okay. No, it's a reference right. to... Any city can be a Babylon. Yeah, and, probably and, and the collection of, I would say, govern, um, the collection of kingdoms that is... Um, not holding up Christ. I mean, so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question. How would you define wokeness? What is CRT and what is GBC's posture towards CRT? Why would Kelly bring this up in the first service and not in the second? Yeah. So I made a goofy offhand, goofy. I I made an offhanded comment in first (laughs) service. um, And and there are lots of times that I mention something in one service and not in another, and I wouldn't make too much of that. It's probably that I simply got distracted. That's my guess. So that I, I made a comment, hey, submit your questions to the podcast, and you can ask, is Kelly woke? Is he bought into CRT? And I made that comment in first service, not in second, and probably just because of the, the chaos of the morning and so got distracted. And so you actually didn't make a comment regarding, because I, I was at second service. Yeah. So when I saw this question, I'm like, oh, what did you say? So that was the context was relating to the podcast. It was. It, it was. You can submit anything. your questions. Well, you started your intro and you, you talked just to, just to help the person maybe understand what was going on here. You started your intro. And you didn't get into the text right away. You right. started your in, intro with Bonhoeffer, and you talked right. about Black Jesus, and you talked about systematized evil a little bit. And then you said, "Before I read the text for today, I'd like to encourage you to ask." So there was sort of this, um, mm. I would say, kind of a Black Jesus intro, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, and then, um, and you talked a little bit about systematized and systemic issues that are associated with Babylon before you jumped into the text. So I don't feel like you were like out of whack or offhand no. or anything. You just said, so if you want to know if Kelly's, you know, woke, woke or, or yeah. you know, so someone CRT, said, I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so they asked so, the question. And yeah. clearly yeah. to your point, mm-hmm. Simone, Somebody there are people there that want to know. Yeah. So you basically asked this of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, defend you not defend you for bringing it up you're kind of made it sound like i got i I got distracted and i i don't feel like it was at all i think you could have said it in both and so i felt like i set my the content up better in second service Mm. and so it's probably why it didn't occur to me to make that comments i felt like it oh i got you flowed better which is it's really common you if you say something publicly twice you're probably going to get it right or do better mm-hmm. in the second time. So first service, I, there was something about the flow of it that it seemed like well, maybe, maybe people are wondering. I've had, I mean, we we say different things. Remember when we used to record the sermon and then people would be like, I sent, I came to church, but I sent the sermon link to somebody. At, and it wasn't and it at was, all. It wasn't at all what you talked about on Sunday. <laughs> in first service. The Thursday right. recording was yeah. totally different than what you preached on Sunday. Yeah. So anyway, I wouldn't make too much of it. I, so that everybody knows, I, I make a discipline of writing down what I want to say. So typically for me, a 30-minute sermon is um, 10, 10 pages or single space, size 12, times New Roman font. It's, and I'm very religious, and by that I mean disciplined. Turabian? Yeah. <laughs> Chicago style? <laughs> yeah. So I'm very disciplined about writing down what is important for me to say, but that doesn't mean that offhanded comments don't make it in. I, I try to be disciplined. And, so I wouldn't make too much of it in this respect. All right, so the question is, what, uh, how would you define wokeness? So let's, let's start there. There's a question about CRT as well. Uh, I'll do my best, and you guys feel free to weigh in uh, from your understanding. So let, let's start with woke. And the, <clears throat> the reason that woke and CRT uh, may be brought up is because it's a part of kind of the cul- overarching cultural discussion going on regarding racism. Does injustice still uh, exist? Are, is there racism uh, that is unknowingly being participated or knowingly being participated in uh, by the broader community? So, mm-hmm. And it, it fit with 
um, the notion that Babylon represents systemic evil, a systematized, mechanized um, self-centeredness. All right, so woke generally means to be alert to injustice in society, especially in our context with regard to racism. So the word woke is used to capture the sense in which someone has awakened to injustices that they were formerly asleep to, unaware of. And yes, I would describe myself as woke in this respect. And I want to offer some nuance, some qualifications. Over the last few years, I have, as I, I think it's, I could say, I have become aware of, I have awoken, I have learned, would be another less loaded word, I've learned about racism that I didn't formally recognize, know of, understand. I'll give some examples. I didn't recognize, and this is statistically proven, that if two people both apply for the same job, one's name is Kimberly and one's name is Shaniqua, that Kimberly gets called back a, sig a lot more often than Shaniqua. And this is, these are Harvard Business Review studies of inequality in, in job searches. So Shaniqua is, a, is a typically identified as an African-American ethnic type name or cultural name. Kimberly is typically a very white name uh, culturally. And so I didn't, real, I didn't know that until the last few years. I didn't know that that type of reality, inequity exists in our culture. Uh, policing inequities, I didn't realize it. I'm, I guess I'm insulated against these inequities. <laughs> I know I am. Uh, that's been a part of my learning curve. Um, the disproportionate number of traffic stops um, for some people in, um, who, people of color, are, are stopped a disproportionate number of times. Um, I think of historic lending practices uh, that have been unjust, what are referred to as redlining, and you can, and of course, redlining's been outlawed, but I hadn't even heard of redlining until the last few years, so yes. I have, quote unquote, awakened, uh, learned is a, is a better word. What's negative about this? Because if someone's We're asking, there. okay, good. Yeah. So, so far, yeah. you're not, you, mm -hmm. you, how would you describe yourself? You know, I just thought of an example when you said that when um, one of the first women we served in Naomi's house, we had a, our very first resident was white. First two were white. Third resident was African-American. And we had, and you've probably helped us do this. We collect gift cards so that women can do their own shopping as opposed to giving them, you know, use clothes or hand-me-downs as part of like instilling dignity so that they can choose their own things, something they don't get to do. And we have a plethora of Target gift cards. And the woman who's African-American who graduated her program, she's amazing, when she was fresh into the program, said, I don't shop at Target. Target is for thanks, white. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, she was like, this is for <laughs> white suburban women, none of which is me. And it was a moment of, oh my gosh, okay. And I walked away from that moment thinking, I have to check my own heart. Am I trying to have women go through this program to make them more like me? More white? Or or, or is the ultimate goal to empower them to be who fully they them. are, fully yeah. them, the way God, and, yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's the first thought I thought of when you talked about this. Does that make me woke? I think that means I learned something in that moment and was able to see, and there's so much more to learn. So I, don't, I, I am curious where you're going to go with this because well, there's definitely, why is it a negative thing to learn something yeah. outside <clears throat> of your... If the, if, a, if the opposite is to be asleep... Who, who wants to be asleep? Right. Well, yeah, I think the, the issue... Well, are you going to get into try. defining why it's not... I'm going to try. Okay. Okay. So... We'll wait patiently. <laughs> so, and I'll, I'll pause here and I'll say, of course the Bible is all about advocating for those who are being treated unjustly. Read Isaiah 58. When the Israelites were fasting and... And God shows up and condemns through the prophet they're fasting. They're going without food. He goes, that's not, you've misunderstood what I want here. What I really want is for you to loose the chains of the oppressed. I want you to do right, seek justice, 
care for those who are being marginalized and stepped on. Anyway, so the Bible's all about if there are injustices, and that's what I have learned or awakened to. There are some injustices, and the church can address that. So uh, the church, in fact, is to be at the center of that, and we do that type of work. So if, you, if you're aware of the care center at Glow Bible Church, we are trying to address inequities. We're, we're trying to help people that, um, that need help. And, and Naomi's house uh, is, is a part of that. Our partnerships with Outreach Community Ministries and By the Hand, all aimed at um, addressing inequities and, and helping those who've been marginalized. Now, woke people in the evangelical church, particularly white people, are very on guard with the term because in a broader sense, it can connote uh, or, or, be, or be a reference for supporting organizations like BLM. And so the organization Black Lives Matter is not an organization that I could get behind or that our church could get behind. It has some it, it has some really bankrupt values. So I can, I can distinguish, and I think most intelligent people can, between saying Black Lives Matter and supporting the organization with that name. So we don't support the organization. Um, it, but woke has been co-opted uh, to be synonymous in some regards with that organization and its, its values and its purposes. And so... Like any term, like this is, again, we keep going back to this, but any time there's an opportunity to take a term and draw lines and, right, then, then we do it. Culture, who's in? Culturally. Who's and then, and people will redefine. Like Christians should constantly be coming awake mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and awakening. It could and, be synonymous uh, with revival, for, I mean, let's there's be so much scripture about don't let your heart grow hard. <laughs> Soft, keep your heart soft, be, be on the lookout, be well, eyes wide open, looking for um, people that are, are being hurt, marginalized, and you should be coming awake to all sorts of things. And culturally right now, um, and, and you could argue for, for a, a significant amount of time, um, African Americans peop- and, and, and other people of color have, uh, have, suffered, Indians? have suffered inequity. and. Yeah. We should be awake to that and sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. And so you want to define that as woke, and then you take that to mean anybody who says they're woke or awakening or whatever means these things, and I don't want to be that. So yeah. we're constantly in this battle, right? Mm-hmm. Culturally, and the church is constantly in this battle of like redefining terms. Like Kelly, remember a couple years ago, we went round and round and round about the term evangelical mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. evangelical meant a certain thing. And, and political no, yeah, figures were right. talking about evangelical, right. the evangelical voting, the voting the base. Right, right. It didn't have anything to do with Jesus. It didn't have anything to do with sharing who Jesus was. Right. It didn't have anything to do with evangelizing anybody. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly in this battle of redefining terms. And so if right. for a group in our church or a group in our culture, if, if Kelly, if you were to say, man, I am woke, <laughs> they're walking out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to another group in our church, it's finally, yay. But let's be honest, to the vast majority of our church and, and our culture that we're in, they're wondering, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And, sure. and when you would define What's it like stance? the way that you, you did, I would agree with Simone. Mm-hmm. Who, who doesn't want that? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want yeah. their pastor or their church or themselves as a part of it to be growing more and more aware of what could be going on mm-hmm. Injustice and inequity in in our culture and in our in our community and in our cul- in our country. So and words words to me like words like this get hijacked by both ends by both poles. That's right. Uh, that's what that's I was because trying to say. Because as soon say, as yeah. totally as soon true. as woke yeah. becomes like a positive thing. So let me I'll back up. The first time when I didn't know what it what was, <laughs> yeah, I heard right. my nephew say it. He's like you know twenty one. I'm like yeah. Okay, that sounds kind of cool. What's it mean? The first time I saw <laughs> the first time like it sounds cool. First time I saw what it meant, it was a clip of Ice Cube in the early 90s, this dude is probably 19, 20 at the most, right? Gangster rapper, all that, right? And he was asked a question about, you know, his content and what he talked about. And his response was so intelligently given and it came out of left field, like no one saw it coming. And he talked about what he sees, what he lives with in South Central LA, just all of 
you know, and, but he, the way he said it, and then someone commented on it, like ice cube was woke in 1991 or mm, whatever yeah, it was. Right. And, and then for me, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's a pretty clear definition of what woke means. Yeah. But then, you know, like the far left, will see that as a positive and say, say the same thing about someone who's supporting like BLM. Yeah. Oh, they're woke, you know? Yeah. And then the right will say, well, use that as a bashing tool and say, yeah. Oh, yeah. they're woke. They're supporting BLM. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, but the, the root of it is the lack of intelligent uh, discourse around issues mm. that we don't all agree on. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Complex issues that we are unable to have healthy conflict and discord yeah. ar- around. Right. Mm-hmm. We can't do it yeah. for, for whatever reason, um, which, man, that's get off social media. It makes it really difficult to preach a sermon. If you feel like it makes it difficult to preach a 30 minute sermon. If you feel like you have to, you know, spend five minutes giving both extremes of every word you're going to say. Right. Let's let's be honest. I I do think the podcast serves us well here because people can ask questions about for clarity and, and the pulpit is hard in that respect. It's, it's hard to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the conversations I've had around it with those who would think it's a negative come from, if you're woke, if you're labeling this for yourself, that means you are somehow jeopardizing your standards of a conservative Christian. You're, you're going to now support financially an organization like BLM, which to clarify, I don't actually clarify, it's not the right word, just to expound on of course, Black Lives Matter. Right. The organization, yeah. legally, you know, a 501c3, or I don't even know yeah. if it is a nonprofit, yeah. they are supporting things that are con- completely contradictory to the gospel and yeah. that hurt people. So no. it's, it's not like BLM is not an, that particular organization. So to say that someone is woke, some people are coming from this place of fear. Well, then mm-hmm. you're giving into this idea that, you know, X, Y, or Z has to happen now because you're identifying with that. But what you're saying, what we're saying here is that it just means that we're evolving, that we're growing and we're learning that things might not have always been the way that they were taught to us, mm-hmm. or there might be something, a new, you know, a new important thing that we have to learn so that we yeah. can better the, get the gospel out. And there's something to say here too, I, I believe about patience and taking, taking our time mm-hmm. around both, um, when you hear things, see things to, um, to, to pause. I mean, we when um, the when the some of the rioting was happening mm-hmm. was it last summer? Yeah. Um, you know, there was we we summer twenty twenty. Yeah, we faced some pressure of, hey, we need to make a statement one way or the other on what's going on here culturally. Mm. We need to we need to condemn and we need to endorse. And Where we need is to do all GEBC yeah, statement uh, on, yeah, on against racism? Against racism or pro police. Right. Or whatever. I mean, it was like, and I remember you and I being like, we all just need to chill out here mm-hmm. for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sure, we're, we're taking in feedback and, and maybe there were things immediately to, to condemn. The looting of property, condemn every time. Right. Well, do you <laughs> right. remember? But, you know, anyway, I, my point is that, man, everybody wants a, a statement. Well, you can be a, pro, pro police and anti racist at the right. same time. Yeah. No, you cannot, well, Simone. I am. <laughs> you and like 99.9% exactly, of exactly. everybody else. Right. I, think right. Patience, right, right, right. I think patience is a great word. This yes. is what I don't know about you guys. This is what I've learned in the last two years. Nothing is as it seems. Oh, gr- yeah. agreed. And it never it, was before either. Right, We're just right, seeing right. it now. Mm-hmm. Like what you get initially is rarely right. the, the entire, the whole enchilada, yeah. can, right? Can, like, we, yeah. can we endorse another podcast episode right here? I right. think it would be helpful if, if you're wrestling through what has happened in the last two years in this, these boxes and the polarization, listen to Matt Chandler's interview on Preston Sprinkles, Sprinkles. podcast called Theology in the Raw. It's a, an hour-long conversation with Matt Chandler, who's a pastor, and he just does a great job of explaining media influence, cable news influence. How he struggled as a pastor. And, and how yeah. it's and the caused, church has struggled. Yes, yeah, it's caused these divisions and how the church has struggled to navigate the, the, these extreme positions that are now being taken. And man, it was really helpful for me. I learned, I was inspired. Uh, anyway, so it's a good so, charge in it. I just to be is. the church. There's a great church a great to be ch- the church. Yeah. Right. Preston Sprinkles. Yeah, it's called Theology Sprinkle. in the Raw. I don't oh, know what, what date, but if you if you look up in... Generally speaking, I, I like Theology in the Raw. Uh, Preston Sprinkle comes from an evangelical perspective, conservative... What do you mean theo- by that? 
Yeah. yeah. He, conservative theologically. So he's from the South and he votes for Trump. No. <laughs> I'm talking about theological mooring. So believing God's word's inspired, authoritative, that you must be born again, uh, that it is uh, the opportunity of every believer to share the gospel. Even That's what I mean by evangelical. Episode 909. 909. What was was the date on it? October 11th. Yes. Cool. All right. We got more to do. Yeah. In this question, the next next part of the question was, what is CRT? And uh, what does Glowing Bible Church, what's Glowing Bible Church's posture towards CRT? So, all right. CRT stands for critical race theory. And I want to start with defining CT, critical theory. And then we'll talk about critical race theory. Critical theory is a socio-political theory that describes all relationships in respect to power quotients. So it's a social-political theory that focuses on who's got the power, who wants the power, how's power being wielded. Whether the exercisers or objects of power, whether those exercising power or who those who are being overpowered is another way to say it. Critical theory labels all groups as either oppressors or oppressed. You're either part of the oppressing group or the oppressed group in all socio-political settings according to critical theory. Critical theorists see all relationships as a struggle for power, either to gain or maintain power. Um, Marx would would say it is, uh, would describe socio-political relationships as a means to power. And for this reason, many describe critical theory as neo-Marxist. So there, are, there is a significant overlap between critical theorists and Marxist ideology, political theories. At its extreme, critical theory says that merit-based advancement, that is, if you work really hard, you'll advance, Objectivity in society and equal opportunity are actually impossible because everybody's acting to gain or maintain power. Uh, Critical race theory is simply to apply the theory of power to race relationships. Identifying some as oppressed because of the race and others as oppressors because of the race and claiming that you're either in one group or the other, either oppressed or oppressing based on your skin color. While there are elements of critical theory that make sense to me, and I'll, let me give an example. I was a history philosophy major in college. It's, it seems self-evident to me that power is at work and empower elements, oppression, oppressors, are a part of the world in which we live. So some of critical theory, I think, oh, I see why critical theorists would land on power as a major, gaining and maintaining power as a major motivator in socio-political relationships. I get that. But I don't see that as the only thing going on in society. Well, for, you know, I would say, for crying out loud, the church is present in society, and the church, the church is living for Christ, living for others, uh, living us for others, giving our lives away. So I, I also see in society, particularly in America, a lot of merit-based advancement, where if you work hard, regardless of whether or not you're a part of the oppressed group, you still advance. There are great stories of people advancing and, and working for equity. I see Glenn Bible Church and the church as a, at large working for equity. And, and critical theorists would say, no, that just isn't. They're always out for themselves. And there's, there's no objectivity. Everything is biased for self. And I just, I see selflessness at work in America. America is a country of lavish opportunity. It's not a perfect country. I love what Churchill says about democracy. Churchill said democracy is the worst form of government. It's horrific, really bad. He, he said, I would hate it, except when I look at all other forms of government. Mm. <laughs> it's, and so we, we can get better. America's a great country. I think of our founding documents. All people are created equal. I would, just, I would side with Martin Luther King Jr., who, who said, it called America to live up to its founding documents. 
that all men are created equal and, and, and create um, a playing field, increasingly so, where, yeah. where everybody can advance. Instead of burn it and start over. Mm-hmm. Right. Fulfill it. Right. Fulfill. He, he, his words were, Let's, we want to cash the check of the founding fathers. We want our, our place at the table, our opportunity. So. I think you, you, the same, we kind of had the same discussion around the term woke. I think we can have the same similar discussion around the term CRT, whereas anytime you were to talk about something like um, systematic evil mm-hmm. or systematic racism, and people would immediately jump to think that you have signed on fully with everything that CRT teaches. Whereas you can hold a tension between the two where you, you can say things like there are parts of our society and you have examples, perhaps through history or even now, where you can see some evidence of some systematic racism that's gone on, not because of a bad person, but because of a bad system that was created. And it passed on through some time through different people because of that system or structure had a a racist um, function. Mm -hmm. And at the same time say, not all systems are like that. Mm -hmm. That not everything is bankrupt bankrupt and racist. (laughs) And that that nothing can be changed or redeemed. I think we can say that there are racists and they are a problem Mm -hmm. functioning outside of systems and structures. At the same time, there are systems and structures that aren't, that aren't racist, that are merit-based, mm-hmm. that are valuable. And I think that's, you know, again, there are, um, it's the... It's, it's the, a great word, John. It, it's mm-hmm. the over, um, trying to oversimplify mm-hmm. or broadly paint things. Yeah. And, right. and This work requires nuance. Uh, thus, I'll get back to the valuable podcast. I frankly don't know why every preacher in America isn't doing this. So they can nuance some stuff. Uh, because yeah. c- communication is really mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. And these are not simple. These are complex mm-hmm. issues. I think, mm-hmm. And I there's think so. a, there, there are folks that would say, I don't, I reject CRT completely simply because of, of one or two or three or four things that, you know, there's, there's 12 tenants to CRT or whatever. So we reject it completely rather than try to navigate Mm -hmm. through it. At one level, I understand that it can be simpler Mm -hmm. at another level. I do think you can make, you can say you cannot engage with CRT at any level um, and you can use that as a cop out for not wanting to talk about and deal with racism mm-hmm. in your life, yep. in your in the in the systems you run in, circles that you engage in. And so we need to be careful that we we don't just completely write things off so that we don't have to deal with mm-hmm. it. I think you've said that well in in before. You know, like the, the uh, having to wrestle with our own hearts and some of the things that we may participate in mm-hmm. is hard work. And so sometimes we look for things <laughs> to they give us a pass. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I don't talk about systematic racism because that's CRT and I reject CRT because it's Marxist. Well, right. I reject CRT because it's Marxist too, mm-hmm. but I don't, <laughs> but I can take the time to look for I it. I can mm-hmm. take the time to say, man, that system doesn't seem right. Oppressed oppressors. Yeah. yeah. I've experienced that. Right. I've seen that. Right. Right. Like, I want to be woke to CRT, <laughs> but, hold on, hold on, but I'm not going to let CRT shape my gospel lens right. that I view the world with. And I, yes. Right, like, the, the, my, my lens that I view the world with is going to be biblically based in Christian, and it's going to be Christian. It's going right. to be, like, and there will be elements of CRT in it, right? Right. But it's not going to, I think that's what a lot of people right. fear is that, you know, you're trying to indoctrinate kids in this and, and that, then they will grow up and only have this lens in which they only view the world with CRT. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I do think there's danger. I do think Christians need to look really closely at what's being taught in our schools because mm-hmm. I do think there is a danger in teaching the full curriculum of critical race theory or any critical theory Absolutely. in our school system. So, so hear me now, like mm. there are parts of this that are worth looking at and mm-hmm. helping people engage with uh, talks about power, talks about systems and structures, and then, and then their individual role in those things. Mm. But teaching CRT from top to bottom, 
in first grade and carrying that on through high school, not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's go to the next one. If a church or a church member is to follow biblical instruction to come out of Babylon, what does that look like? What exactly are we to do? Is it only an internal matter of focus, a spiritual matter, or are there concrete action steps to take? Um, yeah, so I gave five broad areas Sunday in which historic, uh, systemic, structural mechanisms for evil have been identified. The entertainment industry, the manufacturing, economies, governments, uh, socio-political networks. And so I'll just revisit those quickly. You guys weigh in. So the first one's a layup, and I feel like it's it's easy. Entertainment industry that exploits sexuality for profit. So I... We simply put, we need to avoid consuming forms of entertainment that exploit others and or that promote Babylonian lifestyles of materialism and sexuality. So, you know, very few of us are calling on prostitutes. Women who are being prostituted. Okay, thank you. Well, and that could be male or female, Mm -hmm. right? Right. People who, very few of us are calling on those who are being prostituted. So, but far too many Christians are entertained by the depiction of lifestyles they would never want their kids to participate in. So we sit down in front of the television and we wind up laughing at things, and I've done this, laughing at the depiction of lifestyles I'd never want Mm -hmm. myself or others that I love to be caught up in. Just think of gunplay alone. The the amount of gunplay depicted in primetime television does not represent reality. Hmm. And it's not, we'd never want our kids caught up in anything like that, but we call it entertainment. Mm-hmm. There was a show a couple years ago. Anyway. Mm. I'm so glad you brought up the Super Bowl. Did you do that in both services or was that just 1030? Did I do it? Yeah, you brought up this, the Super Bowl. Oh, and how, how many times can we not? Yeah, yeah, right. and the halftime performances. Right, right, right. Because that's like... I that mean, was just second service, yeah. Oh, okay. It was such a good example, though, of like what we... And I would say, maybe I'm making an exaggeration here, but most people are numb to that yeah. and some of the things that we watch. And that's a perfect example in the sense... This is a family, you know, supposedly. centered, supposedly, you know, type of entertainment. And... Man, I have been so disappointed. I, I, I'm, I'm almost like we can't watch the Super Bowl until the halftime show until after it's played to see if it's appropriate for right. ourselves and our kids. Right. Um, this, that was a good example you gave. The entertainment industries. I, I, if, if as Christians we're entertaining ourselves like 90% of America, then we're, we're, we're in Babylon. We're, we're participating in, in Babylonian lifestyles and we're being indoctrinated. Church leaders like to say, somebody's discipling the sheep. Somebody's mm-hmm. discipling your people. Mm-hmm. It's either the church or it's culture. Mm-hmm. And the primary disciple-making venue of popular culture is the entertainment industry. Netflix, mm-hmm. cable access, television, Hulu. All right, the second broad brush I, paint, I said, systemic manufacturing practices that oppress workers. Uh, for profit. So, and, and my word to business owners there is pay fair wages and avoid buying products and investing in companies that do not. Mm-hmm. So, Wheaton College just opened a, a business type, ugh, I'm going to botch this, somebody was just telling me at a men's gathering about, they had attended a seminar at Wheaton College about how to care for employees in a biblical fashion. And huh. so it, it, it was fascinating to me. It was like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I've forgotten. But so we just, as business owners, and we have a lot of business owners in our, in our church, people mm-hmm. that have to pay wages and report taxes. We need to pay fair wages, and we need to buy only products and invest in companies that do that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, the, the generation, my children's generation, um, they are very intentional to go to used stores and buy what they can. And the reason is they don't want to add 
to the landfills ultimately, and they want to support a resale market, um, not just a manufacturing market in countries they're unclear about the nature of the manufacturing going on. It's, it's fascinating how sensitive they are mm-hmm. to, to those issues. It takes a lot of work. It does. Mm-hmm. And a lot of intentionality to find things that are ethically made, uh, that are caring for people in this way that you're, that you're talking about. Do you guys know any brands? I'm the worst. Oh, there's so many. Well, it's I mean, a, yeah. It's, yeah. Fair, what's it called? Fair trade? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But even fair trade can be, can be tricky. There's levels to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of look organic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything organic is really organic. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's interesting. We, um, so we ca- two of our kids are adopted from Ghana. So we started doing some research into exploitation. IJM mm-hmm. is really big into, um, in Ghana and the exploitation exploitation of children that happens mm-hmm. there in Lake Volta and all that kind of stuff. We got turned on to, though, um, some of the specific stuff about chocolate, mm-hmm. which, like, 90% of the world's mm-hmm. chocolate comes from Ghana, West mm-hmm. Africa, like, that whole region, and the use of child labor and mm-hmm. unfair, practice, unfair practices mm-hmm. and the whole fair mm-hmm. trade and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But there's, so there's really simple things that you can do even, like, mm-hmm. instead of passing out chocolate on Halloween, we pass out like fruit flavored stuff, you mm-hmm. know, like, so we're not dumping a bunch of money into, because really? the, the, cheap, See, I'm the cheapest, there, I... the cheapest, um, chocolate mm-hmm. that goes out is likely comes from a place that oh, is unfair. Trade. Unfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the higher mm-hmm. end chocolates don't. And, and Child so slaves were yeah, most I mean, likely we, harvesting the, you cannot go after absolutely everything. I mean, you mm-hmm. it's we, impossible in your life. Yeah, we to, live in Babylon. Yeah. And <laughs> and right. so you try to make, yeah. you know, it was an opportunity where man it hit close to home for us. Sure. Yeah. It made a lot of sense for us yeah. and our kids got around it. They actually did like wrote some letters to like Nestle and wanted to wow. know more about their practices. It's great. And, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a yeah. really basic simple thing that we could do. Do we mm-hmm. not eat chocolate at all in our house? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> but this is a this was something mm-hmm. that we could do in a really big way Mm -hmm. like on a Halloween to like okay we won't do that and you know this already but my half of the sky downtown Wheaton everything they sell is ethically made every brand of chocolate every piece of jewelry bag you know all the things that they sell even their glasses like you can buy like readers and glasses and things everything in the store is made ethically and they've done all they've sourced everything so they know They've, I know Renee Polina, who owns it, has traveled to some of these places in person to see how they run their operations to make sure that people are being paid a fair wage and yeah. treated with dignity. So it's cool. Start there. So I also offered governments that marginalize the weak to maintain power is a form of uh, structural evil, systemic evil. And so, you know, to come out of Babylon, there I think means write letters to advocate for the weak and the marginalized. There's a death penalty case right now going on in Texas where uh, someone is about to be put to death and it's been appealed to the Supreme Court. I'll botch some of the details, but they want a minister to be with them physically present in the death chamber and Texas isn't allowing um, that. This person wants, quote unquote, hands laid on them Mm. while they're put to death. Mm -hmm. They want the ministry of the presence of Christ, kind of an incarnational type experience. And you know, I don't, anyway, so these types of, of issues where uh, those who are uh, suffering uh, need special care um, and the advocacy uh, that Christians can do uh, can make a real difference. It's as simple as reaching out to not just this issue, but any issue. I think of immigration and, and the reform needed. I, I think it's important that Christians uh, reach out and and share with their Congress people uh, the biblical passion they have uh, for uh, just, fair treatment of all peoples. And that's not even commenting on the particular reforms needed. Um, you know, how to handle immigration is a whole other matter. Maybe I don't have the expertise to to comment on that, but th- just the broad, let's, let's be a land of justice. Let's be a land of, of right relationship, whatever we land on. Let's care for these people physically, however we do that. Let's, let's, so praying for our leaders is something we can do as folks living in Babylon. How many of us actually take up Paul's charge to Timothy to pray for those who are in authority over us? Um, so, 
the the last kind of broad structural I reference was socio-political networks that perpetuate racism uh, for the maintaining or gaining of power. In, in my, I had mentioned earlier that, yes, I have come to realize I grew up privileged. I, I, I had never, that notion of a privileged life and, and just realizing, um, and then and then using my privilege as an opportunity to advocate for those who are less privileged. So, you know, we all move to the burbs to raise our kids because we realize there's privileges of living in the burbs. Um, I remember when Section 8 housing was torn down in Chicago and uh, the suburbs were flooded with people that had Section 8 vouchers because they were trying to um, spread the, the rent burden out uh, across the burbs. And, and so the, the, the privileges that come with living in suburbia, the education privileges, the opportunities. And so I just ad advocating for those that are le have less opportunity as a person of privilege is how, is how we handle, I think, the burden of living in Babylon. Hey, Glen Ellen Bible Church, our announcement today is make sure to be at the membership meeting, what we like to call our fall gathering. It's four o'clock this Sunday evening, the 21st. At that meeting, you'll get a quick update on our budget, our expenditures, uh, year to date, and our receipts, what people have given, and then you'll get a little bit of vision and we'll uh, for the year ahead, and we'll, we'll vote on the 2022 budget. As members, we need you to vote for that. And uh, if you're unable as a member to make it, you can vote in absentia by visiting the welcome booth uh, this Sunday. Just stop by there and cast your ballot at the welcome booth. So hope you can make it this Sunday, 4 o'clock on the 21st. All right, so uh, we are running out of time, but we've got some more questions. We're going to get through these quickly. Okay. Here we go. Uh, how does today's warning to come out of Babylon uh, by recognizing counterfeits to the gospel within today's culture intersect with the Catholic Church and the confusion it causes theologically? Man, I thought this was a great question. Half our county self-identifies as Catholic. 500,000 of the 1 million DuPage County residents self-identify as Catholic. Only 7% ev uh, identifies evangelical. That's 70,000 identifies evangelical 500 as Catholic. So this is a great question. Many of the people that worship at Glenn Bible Church, including my wife, uh, grew up Catholic, former Catholic. So I think it's, it's a great question. We are a Protestant church, which means that we stand in protest to Catholic teachings on things like papal authority and the nature of salvation. It, you'll remember the, you know, um, so I, it, some people don't know that's what Protestant means. It means to, to be in protest. So while I do believe that some Catholics know Christ as Savior, I believe that the Catholic Church offers some real barriers to salvation rather than offering bridges to salvation. I believe it offers a lot of confusion at best and false gospel at worst, stating clearly in the catechism. Now, I'm not speaking... Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what St. Pat's is teaching, St. Petronell's, which is here in Glen Ellen. And Catholic churches vary widely as to what mm -hmm. their priests will actually teach. But yep. the catechism itself, offered by the Catholic Church, teaches that salvation is the, is grace of the grace of God, uh, access through faith in Christ, plus works, which includes things like participation in communion. Um, so Protestants on the other hand, do not teach that works are needed for salvation. We teach that works are evidence that we're being saved, they don't, but works don't actually lay hold of our salvation. We're not, we're not doing good works in order to secure salvation, but in order to reflect a life of God's saving work in us. And so I, I think that, that the Catholic Church can be a part of the confusion theologically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's go to the next one. Today you warned against Christian nationalism. I appreciate that warning and see so many Christians on both sides of politics, red and blue, using their faith in an attempt to gain and retain power, which I believe to be a misuse of the faith altogether. This reality can discourage me and can make me feel disconnected from the church. How would you encourage someone like me who is discouraged by politics in the church? Are you guys discouraged by politics in the church? There are times. Yeah. I think it, it, it comes up 
you see it and it's it can be really loud and distracting yeah and it happens around election time i mean we've been asked to endorse candidates Mm -hmm. from the from the front from the pulpit and how dare you not endorse this person didn't you know they're pro-life or they're this or pro this or whatever and so i would say don't give up on the church that's my big one i i get it it's we live in a very unique time in which there's a lot of disagreement about what it means to vote biblically. While everyone agrees that good theology has political implications, there is less agreement on how someone who loves Jesus should vote on any number of issues. So I would, I would just say don't give up on the church. I, I loved earlier in, in the conversation, John, your call to, we need to, have, we need to have good conversation. We need to be hearing each other. We need to enter dialogue with each other. And I think on these political issues, and I hope Glowing Bible Church is increasingly a place where political dialogue can be had in a healthy fashion. All right, let's move into the last two questions. These are more in in general uh, questions about faith. So I noticed that GEBC has elders, but not deacons. I'm curious about that. In Philippians 1, it appears that the church in Philippi had both overseers, aka elders, and deacons. 1 Timothy 3 also refers to the two offices of overseer and deacon. Why does GEBC have one, but not the other? It's my understanding that GEBC takes the position that women cannot serve as elders. Romans 16 talks about a woman named Phoebe, uh, who was a deacon. Would GEBC consider having deacons and give women the opportunity to serve in that office? Yeah, we did away with using the word deacon in, I think it was 1995, it might have been 96, when we did away with deacon committees. We had standing committees where every year people were elected to serve on these committees. We did away with the committees because we wanted to flatten the leadership structure at Glowing Bible Church. We wanted it to be less cumbersome to find your way into service. And so we wanted to open it up to more people. We wanted to free people up to be more entrepreneurial in their service, more creativity. Uh, Committees, frankly, began to bog down and become barriers themselves to getting ministry done. However, the word deacon, note this, it simply means servant. So we certainly have lots of deacons at Glowing Bible Church, and we have lots of female deacons, a lot of female servants, that is to say, a lot of women leading in ministry. We consider someone holding the office of deacon at GBC as anyone who is acting as a servant in a leadership role. Take, for example, Amy Coyle, Janet Kerinsky, Sarah March, Aaron Christner, Brenda Dreifout. Carolyn, doctor. Carolyn, doctor. Simone Halpin. Uh, So we want uh, women to lead. We want more women leaders. We want to open the door to that. So it's a great question. All right. And last one. Why does GEBC use the Orange Children's Ministry curriculum? How and why was it chosen? That's a good, uh, good question. People are thinking through what, uh, what's being taught downstairs. Um, so the orange curriculum came, uh, into children's ministry. I think this, this year, this fall, after they did a bunch of research on, um, on what to use, we use the gospel project curriculum, which comes from Lifeway for almost 10 years, almost a decade, um, nine years. They, they were using that and it just was time to make a change. So there's several different major, um, curriculums that churches will use and orange is probably the most popular in terms of um, churches like ours that choose a a curriculum. Mm -hmm. So it offers a lot of flexibility for leaders to modify things or change themes or ideas. And it's just a huge amount of um, uh, resources that are available there. And so it's easy to use by by both leaders week to week and our staff. Um, It has a high priority on developing relationships between the kids and leaders. Um, and so um, it was one that uh, our children's ministry staff really, uh, really enjoyed and, and spent a lot of time researching before they made that decision. So, um, and we've seen it be really successful this year. Um, both Janet and Amy have reported kids really enjoying it, um, jumping in, memorizing a bunch of scripture, really loving the themes and the ideas that are coming. And I think we realized like no one curriculum that, that we would purchase is perfect. So they all have to be tweaked. They mm-hmm. all have to be tweaked. And Orange provides this as a great framework for us to be able to do that in and yet have it be real high end and, and, and done well. And so, um, yeah, I mean, curriculum, this would go back to we probably had a, at one point, a 
deacon oh, in yeah. charge of curricul- children's ministry oh, curriculum. And in then, the year then, of no. our Lord, 1994, <laughs> I sat through a deacon meeting. I'm not joking. They spent two hours mm. discussing wow. whether red juices could be served downstairs in kids' ministry because we just bought new carpet. Ah, mm. nice. So... Um, there probably was an oversight committee at some point. Um, we don't have that anymore. So uh, both Amy and Janet bring people in to ask them about what works well, what doesn't, whenever we're making those types of changes. And they run stuff by me. I mean, ultimately, I work with them to help, you know, be a, a good leader and help coach them in the decision. And so I look at stuff and I'm really, really familiar with Orange. It's used in a lot of different churches and comes from Georgia and an, an organization that's uh, a well-known, healthy organization as well. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions and committees we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for us getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning into the next level. Boom! Prophecy.